0: Amen. It is good to be here today and be with... uh the college this morning I'm always always excited to be around the college students and uh, just seeing what God's doing in your lives what God's going to do in your lives and uh, just always excited about that I always remember back when I was a student and uh, I was a student at one time They did have college back then and uh, just uh, enjoyed those days I remember the days trying to stay awake I remember working the long shifts and <clears throat> long hours in classes and a lot of hours studying I remember staying up all night long preparing for exams I remember all those Kind of things too. And in fact, I've, I found out what it was to be rested up after I got out of college, because during college, I had no idea what that meant. And so uh, so I do understand that. I'll try to keep you awake uh, for a few minutes. If you'll stay with me, uh, we'll try to do that here this morning. Luke chapter number five is where we're going to start out this morning. Luke chapter five, and we'll spend a few minutes here in God's word, seeing what he might have for us today. And as we're in college, working our way through, waiting for God to To do something great in our lives and our ministries that that starts right now and uh, so let's look in our Bibles here Luke chapter 5 find your place let's go ahead and stand as we read the Word of God here this morning Luke chapter 5 I want to begin reading with verse number 17 Luke chapter 5 verse 17 says it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them and unto, unto him, man, thy sins be forgiven, are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering, said unto them, what reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed unto his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, we thank you today for your blessings on our lives. Lord, I thank you for Lancaster Baptist College, Lancaster Baptist Church, West Coast Baptist College. Lord, I just thank you for the blessings that you have given us in this area. Lord, I do pray at this hour that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, that you would use us today. And Father, I pray that you give us direction as you're working in our hearts in the ministry that you put us into. Thank you for all that you've done now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What I want to look at here this morning, and if you're writing notes and in, in this morning, what I want to look at is uh, basically see strange things. See strange things. We look at this portion of Scripture and this miracle that's a very fam- very famous miracle, but as it ends up, we find out the men were f- uh, fear, full with, f- filled with fear, glorifying God and saying, we have seen strange things today. You know, we need to realize that as God's using us and directing us, our desire should be to see strange things. First of all, I want to look at a couple of things. I want to think about you know, the ordinary Christian life. Begin look at Christians today, and we realize what an ordinary Christian life is. Uh, Here in the United States, our type of Christianity many times is different than the type of Christianity that you'll find in the rest of the world. Our Christianity really is an easy Christianity. Now, we're beginning to see more and more uh, uh, um, against our lifestyle in the political world, in the world that's out there, but as a rule, it's pretty easy to be a Christian living in the United States. When you begin to think about an ordinary Christian life, really, an ordinary Christian life, you fit God around your plans. You fit God around what you're planning on doing. And uh, we we see that many times in life, and we kind of work our plans, and we work our soccer schedule for the kids, and we work all of our vacation time. We work all of our time away and our family time, and where we can fit God in, we'll be there, but we're really kind of fitting Him around us. We'll say that God is first. We'll say that God is in control, but the real test comes when God wants us to do that which we do not want to do. When God puts conviction in our hearts to change our lives and change our direction and change our plans, that's when we find out who really is in control of our lives. We realize that many times we just don't want to do it. When it comes to lifestyle, many times we just don't want to change our lifestyle. One of our ladies, one to Christ down in in, uh, Los Mochis, Sinaloa, uh, years ago, when when her and her husband got saved, she began to tell me what her lifestyle was going to be. And she said, I know you preach against this and against that, but I I just want to let you know I'm going to live my lifestyle as I've already lived my life. So I'm not planning on changing. And uh, I think she was waiting for me maybe to preach at her for a moment. But rather than preach at her for a moment, I said, well, I'd just like for you to attend and listen to the preaching and let God work in your heart. And within about six months time, she came back to me and she said, God has changed my lifestyle. And so she began to change because what God did in her life. Many times we live on that edge where we want to serve God, but we want to serve God on our terms. If he never gets into our hearts, we'll never see that lifestyle change that we really need to have. We talk about faithfulness and and services and talk about service. Serving God, soul winning—all these areas are things that need to be in our lives. The ordinary Christian life never sees real change in their life. When you look at the ordinary Christian, it's just a person that is uh, has that Christian tagged on to the life they have. For the most part, it's 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 a, it's a sacrifice to be obedient. I had a man in my church in San Elizario where I was just before I came here, and one day he told me he said pastor I I just want you to know that it's just hard for me to make the sacrifice to attend services and uh, when he said that I said now you don't realize how much you just offended me did do you I said you just told me that it was a sacrifice to sit and listen to me that's a pretty offensive thing to say and I, said, I didn't mean to say it I know you didn't mean to that's what you said the truth is many times we look at just coming to church just doing ordinary obedience to God as some form of sacrifice that's in our life. What we wanna be is just simply that ordinary Christian. You know many times the ordinary life within the ministry. And we'll begin to see churches and many times the ministry becomes an ordinary ministry. What kind of ministry do you wanna be in when you finish your college, when God calls you into the area, when he puts you, whether it be a missionary or a pastor or working in staff in some church or some capacity, what type of ministry do you want to be in? You know, many times it becomes ordinary when it becomes a job. Right here on campus, right here in our church, one time someone told me, you know, working at Lancaster Baptist Church is one of the best jobs I ever had. Now, I I didn't want to really hammer on him, but I thought, you know, that's sad. This is not the best job I've ever had. This is the ministry in which we are. The ministry is not a job. The ministry does not clock in and clock out. The ministry is something much more than just simply a job. Many times with that kind of mentality, we see very little result in our lives. We're just simply putting in our time, being where we ought to be, and we're not seeing it. We see very few lives transformed. We see the new normal in which we are at today. We're just simply being a Christian, enjoying God, but. no real lifestyle change in our lives. That's the ordinary Christian life in which we live. You know, you can be either in the ministry or the ministry can be in you. You can either decide to join and be part of the team, or you can allow that team to become part of you and it'll make a difference in the way you're serving God. We begin to think about that ordinary life, but you know, there's an extraordinary life that Christ wants to offer us. When we begin to look look at what our life could be we realize now at this portion of scripture these men they were seeing something different happening because Jesus was present what we need to look for is that extraordinary life that we can have in Jesus you know when I when God called me into the ministry I was a 16 year old uh, boy and uh, I was an introvert didn't really want to talk before anybody didn't want to speak before anybody at all and then God called me into the ministry and the truth is when when God called me, I knew he called me, and him and I had a, had a talk, I'll just kind of say it that way, and I, I said, Lord, I said, really, I said, this isn't, you're making a mistake with me. I'm not the one that should be doing, I knew a lot of guys out there, I knew a lot of teenagers, had a lot of ability, a lot that they could do, and to, to, to be honest, I, I said, God, you just, you picked the wrong person here. You have many better than, than what you're doing with me. When you begin to look at what God can do with your life, you need to realize, I don't wanna be an ordinary missionary. I don't wanna be an ordinary preacher. I don't wanna be ordinary in the world today. It's a life changing that should be in there. You know, I can spend my life doing, I could spend it doing other things, but when I went to Mexico, I wanted God to do something different in my life. I wanted to be able to dominate the Spanish language, not just simply hack through it, like I'd seen others do it. I wanted to see something change. I wanted to search churches that were life-changing churches, not just simply numbers, not just simply something I can write back and and get the church to continue supporting me on. I want to see God do something different. I really did not want to be that ordinary missionary or Christian out there. What we need to look at here, and I want to spend a few minutes looking at that, is seeing strange things. So I want to look at just four things here this morning. I think it's four. Yeah, I have four things. Had to double-check myself. First of all, I want us to realize the power of the Lord. the power of the Lord verse number 17 the Bible says and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that that, uh, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present. I want to think about the power of the Lord. Now, if we're going to be that extraordinary uh, Christian, that extraordinary ministry, that extraordinary church, that extraordinary part, and no matter which direction you're going in your ministry, pastors are looking for staff that are extraordinary. Uh, preachers are looking for ones that will help them that are extraordinary. The extraordinary one finds the power of God on their lives. So we're looking at this right now. There was power. You know, the power is available. We need to realize we don't have to be just like that other church, just like that other preacher, just like that other student. We can have God's power on our life. You know, the power belongs to Christ. He said in Matthew chapter 28, verse. Verse number 18, "'And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. That power is available. Why? Because Christ has all power. The one that's called us has all power. The one that's sending us into our area we're at is the one that has the power in our life. The power was present. I also realize the power is present and also available. Not only did Christ have the power, as we saw then in verse number 18, then he continued by saying, Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. What he's saying is that power that I have is the power that you can have. That power that has transformed Jesus now into the, the Son of God, the resurrected one that's paid for our salvation, that power is available to us as well. The power of God. Look quickly with me over in Acts chapter 1. Just want to spend a second here looking over here at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter one and verse number number four says, and being assembled together with them, Commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, when when Jesus is talking now, he's getting ready to finish up in verse number eight. He's going to tell them that they are now being sent. But verse number six says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, "'Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel?' And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. You know, many times we get concerned with things that are really not the important things. The disciples at that moment were thinking about the kingdom. They were thinking about position. They were thinking about who's going to be on the right, who's going to be on the left. They're thinking about where they're going to be reigning with Christ at. And Jesus basically, hey, don't worry about this at this moment, See." ye first the kingdom of God, and his right, and all these things shall be added unto you. We need to get the priorities straight in our lives today. Jesus at that moment is putting the priorities straight, then he continues there, verse number eight, but ye shall receive what? Power. So we're talking about the power that God gives us, the power that we can have in our ministry. We can leave here and leave our college days either to be an ordinary staff member, ordinary missionary, ordinary pastor, ordinary preacher, or we can be something extraordinary for God. It's the power that we see the difference. You know, the power to achieve the victory. As we turn back over here in our portion of Scripture in Luke chapter 5, we realize now there was power to achieve it. So when the men brought the, the man that was sick of the palsy, we realized there was power that was able to achieve that victory. Young people, we need to realize that God has has chosen us to represent him in this world and this world has a lot of need this world is not looking for somebody to be ordinary this world's not looking for somebody to minister to them and leave them in the lifestyle in which they've lived God's looking for somebody with power that will go in and transform the life It wasn't simply save this man that was sick of the palsy. It was about changing his entire life. Now we realize salvation was there, but not just salvation. The life was transformed. Folks, we need to realize the new ordinary Christian life is that which is maintains everything the same. You can look the same. You can act the same. Your activities can be the same. Nothing has to change except simply putting your faith in Christ. Now, folks, we need to realize Christianity changes lives. Now, if you go into the world, you're going to find out it changes lives. If you go into the world, you're going to find out they can't live the same way. When you go into the world, go down to Mexico, you find out when they trust Christ, their family immediately alienates them from the family. You see that their only family becomes the church in which they got saved at. You realize there's real sacrifice when you follow Christ. But our mentality here in the United States is, we can just simply live like we are, be like we are, put our faith in Christ, and wait for the rapture, and be excited about going to heaven, not realizing God changes our lives. If we're gonna have a ministry with power, it's gonna be a ministry where lives are changed. The most exciting part of the ministry for me is when I see people's lives change. Oh, I'm excited when they get saved. That's great. I, I want to see them saved. I want to see them go, have a home in heaven. What really excites me is when I realize that God's getting into their lives, their lives are transforming. They're not like they were before. Now they're serving Christ with a different attitude, and everything begins to look different in their lives. The power that's there. Number two, I want us to notice also the, per, the, per, the, the perception. I want to look at the perception. We begin to look at the perception. We see the perception of the four. Verse number 18 says, Behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. So I realized that these four had a perception. A perception. A perception, excuse me. A perception. As they were heading in, they could see things were not exactly going to be easy. You know, the ministry is not always easy. It's not always easy to bring someone in and to lay them before him. It's not always easy to see the lives that are, that are out there. We realize there needs to be some vision. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty-nine, eighteen, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, now for the men that are bringing that, that man in the, with the palsy, now, if you don't have vision, that man will perish. If you don't get him to the right spot, he's not going to be saved. He's not going to be healed. It took somebody with vision to realize how we can get him before the Lord Jesus Christ. Perception. Perception that changed the life of the man that was on the bed. Not just simply salvation. It's not about having a good time. And by the way, I enjoy my Christianity. It's not just about numbers. It's against the normal of whatever everybody else was doing. You know, we have a story here of one miracle. This man now laid before Jesus. I wonder how many others came, but because of the multitude, they turned back. I wonder how many others got to the door and said, hey, I'd like to get in. They said, there's no more room. And that was good enough for them to turn around and take theirs back. What we realized there was one here that was that one group now that was looking at a new way to get that done. Perception. Perception that the Lord has. Verse number 22 says, But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, his perception, you know, the Lord knows our motives. He knows the heart. He knows the purpose. He knows the plan for our lives. He knows the direction that he wants us to go. It's not about us looking out there and deciding what we want to do. It's about God getting in us and, des- and designing in us what he would have us to do. Folks, we need to realize the perception. Number three, I want to notice also the, persis- per- the persistence. The persistence, verse number 19. And when they could not find by what mean what by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude <clears throat> they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus now what we realize here is the persistence you know to serve god it takes some persistence it's easy to be persuaded and go a different direction it's easy to lose the focus in which why we are here. As I said many, many years ago as a young man, I decided to, the Lord, I want something different in my life. I don't wanna be just an ordinary preacher. I don't wanna be just an ordinary missionary. Now, what happened, I don't know, but I know my desire was to do something great for God. I don't just want to take a position somewhere. I don't want to just be satisfied with just where I'm at. I want to do something different in my life. When we look at that, we realize the foundation that was there for that success. The foundation, first of all, there's temptation, we begin to see these four now as they come into Jesus and, and they find out the house now is full. They can't get him to where they want him to be. And there's always that temptation. There's a temptation to maybe alter the plan that God has given us. Maybe alter the direction in, when God, in which God wants to use us. So we realize they get to that door they had a decision to make. Am I going to continue and get where it's supposed to be, or am I going to turn around and go a different way? And there are many times you can have your your way of rationalizing it, and you may say, well, we won't do it today. We'll just come back tomorrow. We'll just do it a different day. It's a little tough right now, but tomorrow it ought to be a little bit easier. We'll try to get here a little bit earlier next time so we can catch Jesus before the whole crowd was there. And you know, as many times there's temptation to be disobedient to what God is doing in our hearts, in our lives. Be disobedient to the direction that God has given us. Be disobedient. Take, take the easy way out instead of taking the hard way out. Young people, you need to realize preaching the gospel is not easy. Working with people and their problems is not easy. It's not. It's not easy to see things change in their lives. So when they got there, that they they had to decide what they're going to be. Not only temptation realize They had determination. They had determined nothing's going to stop us from getting him before Jesus. There's not anything that's going to happen. We're going to go up on the rooftop. We're going to open it up. We're going to drop him down. We're going to get him there because we're going to see something happen for the Lord Jesus Christ. We see their determination. Their determination to stay forward. Their determination to not be swayed. Their determination not to go a different direction. Their determination to stay straight and direct as the Lord has already put them. That was their direction. Then I notice also the faith in action the faith in action you know when we talk about faith many times we lose some idea what the faith is. For example, we'll hear what Jesus said in Mark chapter 11 and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shalt not doubt at his heart but shall believe that those things which he he saith shall come to pass and and shall have whatsoever he saith. We begin to think about faith. Many times we have the idea of faith is simply believing now believing is one thing faith is another thing when you believe you believe and you know I believe in God I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ there's nothing going to sway my belief but my belief is not what sets my direction it's my faith so we about faith in our lives. Now, what is our faith made of? Many times we have the idea it's belief when really it's the direction in our life. We look at Jesus now as he's talking in our portion of scripture, seeing the, their faith. When he saw their faith, he said to the man in the bed. So realize what faith is. Faith is action. Faith is action. If there's no action, there is no faith. Had those four men decided, man, I believe that God can heal them, and that's good enough, they would have missed what God had for their lives. Their faith moved them into action. When I went to Mexico as a missionary, I believed that God could save people in Guerrero, Chihuahua. Believing that was not going to change anything because the great commission was to go and teach, go and preach. So realize now faith begins to move into action. So Jesus now seeing the faith, he saw the action part of the faith that they had. So young people, as we have faith in our life, we need to that faith needs to be faith that's in action. We believe people can be saved in this valley, therefore we go soul winning and we talk to people and we win people, why? Because our faith is in action. We believe it and God has shown it to us. So faith is there. Jesus saw the faith, not the man, of the man, but rather of the men. So he realized the faith was there. Number four, I want us to look at the plan, the plan. What is the purpose of your ministry that one day you will have? What will you see in your ministry to come? Now, what young people need to realize this is the moment while we're in college here that sets the direction of our ministry. So as you're learning today and you're in your classes and learning from some tremendous men of God, we need to realize that God is working in your heart to set the direction. If you wait until you leave you'll have no idea where that direction is if your direction is not cemented now it can vary in the days to come if you're not defined in who you are now you'll have a rough time defining yourself in who you will be later so now it's the time to decide what is that direct what plan do we have you know ministry without purpose Ministry without purpose is a ministry that can end wherever it's going to go My ministry and my direction today Was set 40 years ago. I Haven't changed my direction. I haven't changed my ministry. Oh, there's some things that have changed in technology and things that have made really aided a lot to the way we do certain things But as far as my direction, the man that I am, the preacher that I am, the the churches that are, there's nothing changed in my direction. Why? Because I was defined way back then. When we have trouble defining ourselves now, we'll struggle with it later. Because there are all types of things we can learn from. We need to learn and get the direction. Ministry without purpose. But ministry with purpose will see strange things. I look back in my years in Mexico and the churches that we've started, the three different areas in which we've lived, the churches that are continuing on and growing, uh, doing more now than when I was there. Folks, that's strange things. That's exciting things. By the way, that gives me purpose here at Lancaster Baptist Church. That gives me purpose in the Spanish ministry. That gives me zeal and direction. I didn't waste those first years. God allowed me to do some things and did things through me that only he could do. Folks, strange things that only come from God. This morning, what kind of ministry do you desire to have? Just go along with the flow. Be like the rest of them. Just go out and find a good job in a good church. Nothing wrong with working in a church and having a good job there if you want to be ordinary. But if you want to be extraordinary, it's going to change your direction. It's going to change your heart. It's going to solidify who you are. It's going to give you direction in how you're going to operate. And the end result is... It wasn't those four that saw the strange things. It were the ones around him that saw those strange things. And folks, if we'll get involved in what God has for us, we can see some strange things in our life to come.